make you feel like traveling on. I was on my way to Hendersonville to the camp meeting one night. I got up the road about where 11 crosses 25. There's a car on the shoulder of the road. There's a fella bailed out, run back to the back door, yanked the door open, and he went to framing a fella right in the head, drug him out, kicking him, and all. And you know what? I felt like traveling on. <laughs> There's a lot of things make you feel like traveling on. And I'm glad for the day, thank God, I got born in the family of God. I've been feeling like traveling on ever since then. Are you feeling good tonight? Wake that woman up and let's sing the last verse. Here we go. The Lord has been so good to me. I feel like traveling on.
straight from Atlanta, Georgia. Brother Mays Jackson, the old man with a young message. I mean, the young man with the old message. God's man. Brother Billy, well, let me say, turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. Have your Bible turned to Numbers. Now, most preachers like Numbers. I like the book of Acts myself. Say, man. And that's where the power is. But we'll turn to Numbers chapter 13. And let me say, while you're turning to Numbers, I don't believe you'll hear any better singing than you've heard tonight till you get to heaven. The Lord anointed the singing tonight. And it was a blessing. I tell you, every song seemed to just be better. And then they kept it off with the Hendersonville crowd. That's where I started out. And I looked at those two little boys. And I thought about, well, they're still in. They're starting them young. When I first started preaching, they called me the preacher boy of Hendersonville. Now they call me the old man from Atlanta. That's a big difference. But I do appreciate all the singing. And where's Brother Burns? Bless his heart right over there. Amen. I couldn't, I just, I love all of you, but I tell you, i got to just look at Brother Burns and think about the times. We used to come here... Boy, listen to me. We'd climb poles. Somebody said, why don't you climb them now? I'm too old and fatter. I'd try it, Jack. Say, man, I'm not ashamed of it. I haven't outgrown that crowd, but I want to tell you it's been good, and I appreciate the good spirit of the Lord. Numbers chapter 13, we'll stand in just a moment. But let me say this while you're turning to Numbers. Tomorrow night I want to bring you a message entitled, When the Lord Shows Up. If God doesn't show up, mister, I don't care what kind of singing you've got, it won't do anything for the Lord. And if God doesn't show up when the preacher stakes found in the Word, it won't mean very much. But you get in a service when the Lord shows up, and God begins to squeeze your heart, and juice runs out your eyes, and heaven begins to witness, and then you'll know you've been to worship. And the Bible said we're to come to worship, and I'm glad... Brother, I've already worshipped tonight. What a blessing to be able to worship. But you'll be here tomorrow night, the Lord willing. And then a lady asked me last night if I'd preach one night on standing somewhere in the shadows. You'll see Jesus. Maybe we'll about uh, maybe Thursday night. But tomorrow night when the, the Lord shows up. All right, I want you to stand with me all over the house real quickly. We'll read the Word of God. Then I'm going to speak on what I announced last evening. Canaan land is just in sight. Now, Canaan in the Bible is a type of the spirit-filled life for today. Most people don't know what you're talking about when the Bible said, be ye filled with the Spirit. But I'm glad that there are a few folks that are thirsty and hungry to have the fullness of the Spirit of God. And that's what Canaan land is anyway. It's a type of the spirit-filled life. And here we find one of the views of Canaan. In the Bible, there are three views, and I'll make this sermon brief tonight. And there are three views of Canaan in the Word of God. We're going to look at those in just a moment. But look at your Bible, chapter 13. They were at Kadesh. And the Scripture said, beginning with verse 26 of chapter 13, the book of Numbers, And they went and came to Moses, and to Aaron, and to all of the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran, and Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, and to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. 
Now, a lot of us are talking about the Spirit-filled life, but we don't have any fruit. Fruit, listen to me. My daddy used to say, for hen cackles, there ought to be an egg in the nest. Say amen. Amen. I like that. Listen to what the Bible said. Read with me, please. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled. And, and listen, very great. Recover. We saw the children of Anak there. Now, moreover, he said, we, we saw this. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell with the sea, and the coast of Jordan. Then Caleb stands, I like Caleb, and Caleb still the people before Moses, and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. That's Canaan language. That's Canaan language. Brother, you hear somebody talking like that, we're more than able, we're more than conquerors. That's Canaan land language. Now look what the book book says here. And it says, uh, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report. You've always got a bunch in these churches. And when God begins to move, they'll get an evil report to make right in the middle of a victory song. Say, Amen. And the Scripture says, and notice here, and we be not able. Said, we can't go up against that crowd. They're stronger than we. And then they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, The land, uh, though which we have gone to search it, is uh, land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great renown. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, so uh, we were in their sight. Now, when you get to looking at yourself like you're a little grasshopper, and when you ought to be standing up, bless God, and claiming the victory, and tell them you're in the family of God and you're one of His, when you get to talk in the language of the grasshopper, not only will you feel that little, but, brother, the right people around you will look at you and say, there's not much to it. He's like the grasshopper. Would you be seated all over the house? Would you bow your head, Father? How we bless you tonight for the good singing. Lord, it's just been wonderful. I thank you for the touch of God. I thank you tonight for the breath of heaven. Oh, God, unless you come. We know it's in vain, but oh, every song seemed to have the anointing of God. And the Word of God is powerful tonight. I pray that you'll speak to every heart. Now bless us and we'll praise you because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Beloved, I want you to look this way and I'm going to speak to you on Canaan land that's just in sight. Now it's an expression back in the Old Testament and it talks about a land of promise. I'm glad, brother, that in this life, not when we get to heaven, there's a land of promise for the believer. Not many people have crossed over Jordan 
into that blessed land. But I'll tell you, brother, it's good to cross over Jordan and get into the land of Canaan. Lady asked me in Atlanta, Georgia, one night, said, Preacher, what's that coming out the corner of your mouth while you're preaching? I said, Lady, that's honey from Canaan's land. I'm glad I'm in the land of Canaan. Now, Israel came to the place where they could have gone over in 11 days. They were to gateway. They were 11 days away. But because of Hebrews chapter 3, it said, and an evil heart of unbelief, it took 40 years. My, that long journey through that dark and that awful wilderness. But because of time, let me give you three places you'll find Israel in the Bible. Three places, and they're typical of us. Number one, you'll find Israel down in Egypt. That's a type of the natural man. I once lived in Egypt. I was in the land of darkness. But praise God, one day, nearly 50 years ago, I'm glad he brought me out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb. Thank God I got out of Egypt. And in that dead state, I was made alive. And what a blessing it is to know that we're alive in the Lord Jesus. But we find them in Egypt. Secondly, we find them in the wilderness. This is a type of the carnal man. Most of the people I guess I've ministered through the years are in the wilderness. They're a bunch of do-nothings. They're going round and around and around and around. And Mr. These people are still in the wilderness. They're called carnal Christians. But I'm glad that's the third place that you find Israel. Uh, number one, you find Israel in Egypt for 400 years. Uh, number two, you find Egypt uh, being abandoned and they went in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, and then the preachers down at Pelham before it ever grew up. I mean, before the houses were built, there was Pelham Baptist Church. Sixty-five Baptist preachers went down there, and we were going to pray for the filling of the Spirit of God. I never will forget that night. Odell Good was there, and Brother Norris was there, Brother Seitler was there, and there were many, many preachers. We got down there and got across the road in the cow pasture to have that prayer meeting, and boy, they went wild. I've never been to the Atlanta 500. I've never been to the Daytona 500. But I've been to the Holy Ghost 500 a lot of times. And Mr. that night, God bless that bunch of preachers. They were climbing trees. You've never seen anything like it. Somebody said to me, preach, mate. I said, I can't see to read. They said, quote a verse and preach. And I started trying to preach. And they was passing me and climbing trees. And a lady over there in Pelham got excited. And she looked out and saw all them Baptist preachers praying for the filling of the Spirit, and she called the highway patrol, the militia, right here in Greer, and said, Help! Help! And the man up there at the switchboard, he said, I'm the sergeant of the South Carolina Highway Patrol. Can I help you, ma'am? She said, there's a bunch of Baptist preachers down here in the cow pasture, and they're going wild. They're running everywhere. He said, I'm sorry, lady. I can't help you until they get in the highway. And if they get out there, then I'll come down and arrest them for speeding in Pelham, South Carolina. But he said, I'll tell you what we'll do. 
we'll be kind and send a patrol car down there. And man, I never will forget why I was a preaching and there's a shouting and a running and they were saying, fill us Fill us, O oh God, with thy spirit. And boy, about that time, that highway patrolman pulled up, and he turned that little spotlight on over there, and Brother Sightler's hand went up just like this. And when it went up, that guy got scared. He cut that little light off and said, mm, down the road he went. And somebody said, preacher, not only does it scare the highway patrol, it'll scare some Baptist preachers once in a while. It'll scare a lot of people, brother. And they're here. But if you've got your pencils tonight, I want to give you the three views of Canaan land. It's just in sight. Number one, there's the first view. It's called the borderland view. They had come to Kadesh Barnier. They'd got to the border 11 days, and they'd all been over there in Canaan. They'd got to that place called Kadesh. The gateway, they, they was waving their hands several years ago. Brother Ralph Sr., myself. We were over there in Israel, and we saw the Jews coming into the harbor. And Raph, you know, he's bad to fill, his, fill with his hair. He's bad to fiddle with his tie. And he was up there running by me and hollering and shouting. I said, what you shouting about, Brother Sexton? He said, Brother Mays, they're looking now at Canaan. I said, praise God. I'm glad I'm not looking. I'm already in Canaan. I've already been filled with the Spirit of God. But when they came to Kadesh Barnea, they made a mistake. They sent out spies to find out what kind of land it was. God had already told them what kind of land it was. But they sent out spies, and that's when you make a mistake. We got so many committees going out today from our churches, brother. We're going to be in the biggest mess that we've ever been in in all of our lives. God calls a man to lead the people, mister. And we're to follow that under shepherd and be subjected unto the orders from heaven. And when we lose the pastoral authority and the authority of the ministry that's invested in us, mister, we're shameful. And so the Bible said, Tim Spies, they came back and they're like a lot of us. They said, it can't be done. Here's what the very words they said. We be not able. Oh, they said they're giants and said, over there, you've never seen such walled cities. And over there, you've never seen such power. And they said, it can't be done. You know what's happened to us in the last few years? We said it can't be done. But I'm glad with him all things are possible. Brother, we don't have to back up and apologize. I'm glad there's more with us than be with them. We're on the winning side. We can praise God for the victory. You say, preacher, what happened? There were two other fellows. There were twelve spies and ten had evil reports. But there were two fellows. One was named Caleb and the other Joshua. How do you like that? And the Bible said they came back with some fruit out of the land of Canaan. They said they won't believe us. Said grapes are so big over here, look like basketballs. And it took two two men to carry one little bunch of grapes. And they were coming back. And Ralph Sexton Sr. said they got to the Jordan River 
and they forgot their bathing cap and couldn't swim across. And Raph said, one of them said, grab one of them big grapes right there and squeeze the goody out and pull the hull down over your ears and, and Caleb swim all across. And brother, they crossed over. And when they got there, they said, hey, we want to tell you something. Now, it's true, there are giants over there. It's true that there are walled cities over there. It's true that the devil's over there. And I want to tell you, we be well able. Oh, oh Caleb, he said, bless God, we're well able. I'm glad tonight, brother, that's Canaan land language. Well able to do what God wants done, mister. You say, preacher, what about Caleb? Let me give you three things about Caleb. The Bible said here, I would talk about Joshua, but we don't have time. Notice the first thing. Boy, he had, he had a good spirit. I like that. Man, he had a right spirit. You know, you can be against something and have the wrong spirit. And we can get bitter and cynical uh, about things, mister. And I want to tell you that's sad when you see a preacher get bitter and you see a preacher get to that place. you hear me? And he can't see anything but bitterness. God will put him on the shelf, mister, as sure as you're in this house. To say, preacher, had the right spirit. I like that. The Bible said God gave him another spirit. Oh, when God gives you the sweet, sweet spirit, praise God, I want to tell you, it's another spirit, and what a blessing it was. You know, I, I know a lady, and I won't tell you her name, she's coming Friday night. And if I announce it anywhere I'm in meetings, she draws more people than I draw. I'm telling you, or the camp or anywhere. But I know she's got a bad spirit when she gets up in the morning. And if you speak to her before she gets coffee, man, you're going to be in trouble. I, she'll bite your head off. I mean, that spirit's just not right. But after she's been up a little while and read a little scripture and prayed, she has that sweet, sweet spirit. I, I like this man called Caleb. The Bible said he had the right spirit. Number two, the Bible said he had uh, the right walk. I, I mean, he had the right steps, if you want to write it down. He walked holy behind the Lord. And brother, we need some people here that'll sell out and step in behind the Lord Jesus and say, where thou leadest, I will follow. And brother, the steps will be right. The spirit will be right. And then number three, his story was right. I love to see people that are happy. I hate to get around for where, Lord God, I'll tell you, I know whether I can make it or not. Honey, I've read the last chapter. Praise God. I've already made it in Him. I'm already seated in heavenly places. And what a blessing it is to know that. He had the right story. I used to have revivals in our church down in Clemson. We had an old lady. Boy, she won revival. I really believe. But every time we'd have them to testify, she'd get up in the revival and say, I'm aiming to have revival. I'm aiming to pray more. I'm aiming to do this. I said, Sister, for God's sakes, pull the trigger and shoot and quit aiming. Bless God. We've got folks in our churches. And, brother, they're always aiming to do this and aiming to do that. And they'll give you the saddest story you ever heard in your life. But I like to get around an old saint that's seasoned in the Holy Ghost. I like to get around an old preacher that's been over many a mile, that's traveled far for Jesus, that's got many bruises, that's been down in the valleys of trouble, and watch him when he smiles and said, it's worth it all. Woo! 
Oh, it's worth it all. Thank God. The first view of Canaan is a borderline view. The second view of Canaan is the boundary view. The boundary view is found over in the book of Numbers chapter 32. The first is found in Numbers chapter 13. Chapter 32, the book of Numbers, you find the boundary. You know what the boundary line was the River Jordan. I tell you, I can stop here and preach an hour on a miracle river. You just get in your Bible and you find the miracles that happened down in Jordan. The Jordan! But it was a type of death. And Jordan, the Jordan River, was the boundary line between the East Bank and the West Bank. Now listen to me, I'm going to tell you something. There were two tribes that didn't want to go over there. Read it there when you get home. Two Reuben and Dan said, we'd rather stay on the east bank of the Jordan. The east bank was the wilderness side. When you pick up your paper tomorrow and they're talking about Israel, they never talk about the east bank. They always talk about the west bank. The east bank is the wilderness and the West Bank is Canaan land. Woo! Bless God, I want to tell you, I like that West Bank. I like to be over there where the plum granites are and the blessings of heaven reign. Now you say, preacher, there are two tribes that wouldn't go. And there were three things on the east side of the Jordan River. Number one, there was conformity to the world. They never had want to be like an Israelite and say, hey, we want to look like a Christian. We want to act like Christians. I'll tell you, we got a lot of those today, and they want to be conformed to this world. This book said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. And, brother, we need some people. Here they were. They were on the East Bank. And, mister, they were there. Secondly, I'll always the place of... But it's a place of confusion. And it's the same way today. You go to the East Bank. Go with Jerry. They're going in a few months to Israel. And he'll take you down to the East Bank, the wilderness. And they're the most confused people you've ever seen in your life. No, I meet Christians today. And they watch these television evangelists. And they listen to these radio preachers. And they can't tell you how to be saved. Many of them are confused. But I'm glad, brother, I've settled that old account. And I can say like Paul, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Confusion. And then there's something else down on the east. But compromise. They'll compromise anything. Those Arabs will still do that. Now, you say you're biased. I'm telling you, on the East Bank, you'll find compromisers. And, brother, I'm sorry to say this. Some of the fellows and some of the old saints that started here with us in Greer, they compromised along the way. Oh, listen, I don't want to compromise. I want to live holy. Oh, you say, but you're talking about preachers. I'm not talking about preachers. If they're guilty, that's right. I'm not talking about just women tonight. I'm just not talking. I'm talking about folks that used to say, hey, I'll lift high the bloodstained banner. I'll carry the cross. I'll wear the marks of Calvary. But oh, they've compromised. Let me tell you something. My wife's a good, I mean a real good uh, judge of people. And Brother Billy and I was in a meeting down and we was going home and God said, you know what I like about Brother Billy? And I said, no. 
She said he's himself. And said, secondly, Billy Kelly's the same thing when I met him years ago. And I said, praise God. I'm glad there's a few brother around. And they're still the same as they were a few years ago. That's the East Bank. At Jordan had two banks, the East Bank, and then they had the West Bank. Now listen about that West Bank. They had three things on the East Bank. They've got three things on the West Bank. You say, preacher, what was on the West Bank? Listen, it's still there. Continual blessings. Thank God. They never have to worry about seasons. It's always planting time. It's always reaping time. It's just like the blessings of God. It said they're new every morning. He doesn't have to repeat what he did last night. Bless God, he's got something new tonight. He can have something new tomorrow. Aren't you glad for the continual blessings that God's blessed us with? I want to tell you I'm glad. What a blessing it's been these years. And I want you to know, I I can't stand preachers. Get up and give this old pitiful tale all the time. And I've had my bumps. And I've had my days. But I've got a little thing that I've said through the years, if you know me. See, amazing how you feel. It may be lying about half the time, but I say the best you ever saw. Oh, I had a lady to come up to me in Savannah, Georgia, and she said, Preacher, when I got so low, said, You know, I came I came home and he took me to the hospital and said, My daughter stood over me and said, Mama, how you doing? She said, The best you ever saw. I said, You're copying May Jackson. I know what you're doing. And she said, Had you done me to say that? Then to look up and say, It's all over. I'm defeated. Death is coming. She said, I'm not going to die as long as I can see anybody else living. Say, Amen. What a blessing it is. The continual blessings. On the west bank of the Jordan. There's the Jordan. Number two, I don't know that were there continual blessings over there, but there's complete victory. Thank God that, listen, the spirit-filled life is a life of victory. You get full of the Holy Ghost, and I want to tell you, you have victory. Oh, there's that victory that comes when He is your fullness, when He is your thrill. And bless God for the blessings. He said, be not drunk with the wine or in excess, but be you filled with the Spirit of God. And it makes a difference. There's complete victory on the other side of Jordan. Number three, there was a captain over there. I like that. He's still over there. <laughs> Woo! Bless God. You talk about something to bless your soul. And they found a captain over there. And he said, I'll fight your battles. Oh, he said, you're in Canaan, but you're going to have some battles. You can get filled with the Spirit of God, but you'll still have some battles. But I'm glad you've got a captain that's never lost a battle. Thank God. You've got a captain, mister, that knows all about it. You've got a captain that'll see you through. What a blessing it is. I heard this when I was a member of the Calvary Baptist Church in Hendersonville. Little boy. I was just a lad. I wasn't saved. The pastor didn't believe this. Listen to me. The deacons didn't believe this. We had an old return missionary there. I believed him. So let me give it to you quickly. He got up and he said, I've been in Africa all these years of my life. I've been on what they call a dark continent. But he said the sun was bright every morning. <laughs> he said, I've been in a place where 
He said you couldn't find any friends. But he said, I had a friend that stuck closer than a brother. And then he told the story. He said, years ago, he said, I finished language school. I took two missionaries with me, and we went up the jungle rivers there where man had never been witnessed as being white. And it was the bush country. And there in that bush country, they'd kill if they'd see a white man. They'd think he was a god. And he said, we got 80 miles up that jungle river. And he said, I saw the bush country was being closed in. And he said, when I saw that bush country, I said to those two missionaries, stay here. I'm going to check this book out. I'm going to see if it's as powerful as I've always preached it. I'm going to raise it in the name of the Lord. And he stepped, he set out in the waters and started walking toward the bush country. He got up on the edge and he started, and he heard two screams of two warriors. And they came out with two spears. And he held up his Bible. And they kept on running toward him with those two spears. And when they got within about 30 feet or 25 feet of the missionary, he said they threw up their spears and screamed and ran. He said two years later, I was talking to one of them that I'd led to Jesus. And I'd never ask him, did he run because of the Bible or because I was white? I never asked him. And said that night by the bonfire, I said, why did you run? Oh, he started to cry. He said, you don't know. You don't know why we ran. He said, we wasn't scared of that book. We didn't know what was in that book then. He said, we wasn't afraid of you. He said, we had spears. But when that man in white stood up for you and held up a sword, prayed, the captain said, we were afraid and we ran and we were, oh, are you listening? I'm glad on the West Bank in the land of Canaan, there's a captain, brother. What a blessing it is. You say, I don't believe that. I believe it. Woo. I wasn't even saved and I believed it. Benny, I, I wasn't a Christian, but I believed it. Boy, I believe he stood by me many times. Woo, I didn't know he was there. You might not have known that he was there, but praise God, he stood by you, mister, and he'll stand by you in the darkest hour, and he'll stand with you when things go wrong. Praise God, the Lamb forever. I'm glad. That's, let me give you the last you are Canaan. First is the borderline. That's Kadesh Barnier. There were the gateway. Number two, there's the boundary line. That's the Jordan River. Number three, there's the backside view. That's when God said, Moses, I'm going to take you up and let you look at that land of Canaan. Oh, he said, I'm not going to let you go over there. But I want you to just look over there in there. Canaan land is just inside. And in the 34th chapter of the book of, of Exodus, God took Moses. And old Moses walked that mountain with God. When he got to the top of Nebo, I can see him as he looks down. And he said, look at all of that milk and honey. Oh, let me go over. And God said, no, you just wouldn't do what I told you to do. You smoked the rock twice. You broke the perfect, perfect time. And you disobeyed me. And I'm going to let you look. And in just a moment, I'm going to tell you the three things Moses saw looking over into Canaan in the backside. But let me give you this. The Bible said nothing wrong with Moses.
Now you read that 34th chapter. There's nothing naturally wrong with Moses. That's what the Bible said. You can call up your doctor tomorrow and quote that verse. He'll tell you nothing wrong. If there's, and his natural force is not abated. Mister, you've got to have something to kill you before you're going to die. And there wasn't nothing wrong. And he said, now Moses, look over there. And then he said, Moses, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to have your funeral right here. I'm going to hide you. They won't know what's happened. You say, how did Moses die? I believe God in his loving care reached over and pulled old Moses back in his arms and smothered him to death with kisses and took him on from that place. And 1,500 years later, Moses walked in Canaan's land. What a blessing it is to see that he walked in Canaan's land. The third view is the backside view. Listen to me, three things he saw. See, what did he see? He was standing up there. He saw riches untold. Boy, the Bible said, I have not seen. Ear and not heard what God has. You wait till we get over here. Oh, you wait till we see the riches untold. Not only see riches untold, but secondly, he saw the remorse of the people. You see, they cursed him while he lived. They talked about Moses. They said, you brought us out of Egypt out here to die. And a lot of you, and I know a dear preacher in Fayetteville, Georgia, he died. I wasn't there, but I got there as quick as I could years ago. And his little wife met me at the funeral home and said, Mays, he loved you. And he wouldn't let nobody in Georgia talk about you. Well, I said, I know that. He's but said, you know how they treated him. Oh, he said, they come now, but the casket, those that put daggers in him, those that abused him and weep over. I said, lady, that's what they did to Moses. When Moses died, they put a 30-day weeping spell on him. And they hollered and boo-hooed around and said, Moses, where are you? Oh, they cried for 30 days. And there was remorse, mister, for 30 days. But notice the last thing he saw. Not only did he see riches, not only did he look there and see this, but he saw the third thing. He saw the reckoning hand of God. God said, as far as you're going, you're going to get off. As far as you're going. Now, one of these days, God's going to say, Maze, it's as far as you're going. You're going to get off. <laughs> Woo! I'm glad. Listen to me. I'm ready. Thank God. And if you're here tonight and you're saved by the grace of God, listen to me. When God says you've come to them, like he said to Moses, you don't have to worry about it anyway. Bless God, you're going to be with God forever. What a wonder. What a blessing. What a great thing it is to know. Well, I'll tell you, my friends, the reckoning hand of God. And I believe this. I, I believe that the reckoning hand of God's going to fall on America. Brother, America was blessed in the war, and God performed miracle after miracle. And I was in Tocord, Georgia, Calvary Baptist Church after the war. And a man stood up and he said, Brother Mays, on every road coming into Tocord, every road, he said there was a sign, pray that God will bring the troops home but said, ride on any of them out of Tekoa tonight. There's not a sign that says, thank you, Lord, for bringing the troops home. Have you seen any signs like that? 
I haven't seen any signs. We had signs plastered all over Atlanta. Pray for our troops that God will send them home. But I haven't seen one that's been raised and said, Thank you, Lord. You heard our prayers. And you sent them home. But still, listen to me. But I believe the reckoning hand of God is coming. Now, you don't hear me get up when a preacher has a child to die, abuse that preacher, maybe a tragedy, and you hear some old long tale on him. Listen, the devil will do enough for him. I'm not going to talk about him. I'm just going to pray for him. Men came to me a, few, oh, a couple of years ago and said, You know that preacher? I said, Wait a minute, let me tell you something, mister. I didn't save him, and I didn't call him to preach. And God's got a hand, brother, called the reckoning hand of God. And he's not mine anyway. And God will take care of that preacher. And I said, that's not what bothers me. I said, I have to look on my guard every minute of every day because I know there's a reckoning hand of God. And the reckoning hand of God fell upon Moses. And brother, at 120 years, his eyes were not dim. He wasn't sick, but God took him out. Mr. The Reckoning Hand of God. But I'm glad God said, Hey, Moses, look over yonder. Look at all that beautiful country. And I'm not going to let you go. But, oh, listen, I remember several years ago, and as a young preacher, God said, You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. So he said, You're going to become charismatic. I never heard of a charismatic back in those days. Say, Amen. Your old daddy preached up there. Bless God, we didn't hear about charismatics. Old Buck Huntley is a preaching about being filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you something, mister. I bowed on my knees and I said, God, I want you to fill me with the Spirit of God in my faith. Just like that. I said, did you talk funny? No. Did you act funny? No. I felt deliverance from self and pride. And I said, God, oh, thank you. I'm in Canaan. I've been filled with the Spirit of God. I've been filled with the Spirit. Every head better. I close with that. I'm glad you came.